How has social media changed the way you tell your adventure stories? If I was 24 today and about to set off around the world, I would embrace all the social media and mobile phone technology available. And yet, at the same time, I also hold the contradictory belief that I'm glad to have done my ride without them. If I was beginning to build a career in adventure, I would go for full connectivity. Much of your viability as a working adventurer depends upon the oxygen of publicity. You need to do interesting journeys, of course, but if nobody knows about them, you're not going to earn a living. You need to build, grow and hold on to an audience of supporters. Social media is spectacularly helpful for that. Yet, by not having social media when I began, I had exceptionally rich experiences, which perhaps gave me a more solid platform to build a career in the long run. Who knows? It's all speculation and guesswork. But that hypothesis fits with the slow and steady approach to longevity I prefer to a sudden burst of social media attention that can disappear just as quickly. If I was 44 today and about to set off around the world and could afford to do so without earning money from the story en route, I would have zero social media or online presence. I would do it in the way I busked through Spain, carrying a phone to use the maps, Google research and WhatsApp my family, but with all the social apps and email removed. It used to be that someone would go away on an adventure, scribble some notes and take a few photos. Then they returned home and tried to figure out how to tell their story and find an audience. Nowadays, there's pressure to do all these activities simultaneously and beautifully. There are obvious benefits for the freshness and immediacy of the story, but trying to do everything at once also risks not doing justice to any aspect of the experience. It's possible that our look-at-me culture results in blander, shallower experiences because we're too busy seeking attention to pay attention. You benefit from a deeper immersion into nature and a fuller engagement with the adventure when you're not feeling the temptation or the distraction to put something on social media to impress others. When I cycled the length of Africa, I wrote updates for my website in Cairo, Aswan, Khartoum, Addis Ababa, Nairobi, Moshi, Dar es Salaam, Blantyre, Francistown, East London and Cape Town. Just 11 updates from a year cycling the length of a continent. That's it. These days, I sometimes post 11 Instagram story updates in a day. By the time I reached Cape Town, I had uploaded just nine photos to my website and had the temerity to thank Olympus at the top of the page for sponsoring me the camera. I'm not sure they got a great return on their investment. In my whole ride around the world, I only took 3,425 photos. I've taken that many on week-long adventures in recent times. No wonder, perhaps, that I've never since managed to find sponsorship from a camera company. There are a lot of decisions to make about using social media and the internet on your adventure. If an expedition has sponsors, then you're likely to be duty-bound to maximise your storytelling. Rowing the Atlantic, for example, we made sure to write a blog post every day and upload it via satellite phone from the middle of the ocean. 
even when, or perhaps especially when, we were all puking unhappily. If you're on a long journey, such as crossing a continent, it makes sense to keep your audience interested by posting updates along the way. Whether that's once an hour or once a month is up to you. There are advantages and disadvantages either way. Nowadays, I mostly just go on short micro-adventures. I prefer to not worry about sharing anything online while I'm away. I make the most of the trip. Afterwards, I make the most of the story by telling it more thoughtfully than I would if I was feeling pressured to tweet whilst slogging through a storm or desperate to get some sleep. Each social media platform works well, but differently for sharing your adventures. Facebook, for example, was invaluable when I was trying to grow a community interested in micro-adventures. Over 40 local groups formed to chat, plan and meet up, and my micro-adventures page became my largest online channel. Instagram is excellent for concise storytelling to a very engaged audience. Twitter is good for sharing information, testing ideas, finding answers to questions or posting short and regular updates. TikTok buzzes with potential for educating or entertaining and BookTok has become a huge part of many authors' selling techniques. YouTube is a brilliant place to share adventure experiences whether through GoPro action footage, helpful instructional guides filmed on your phone, or fully-fledged adventure films. Canny SEO labelling on YouTube is also an easy way to rocket you to the top of a Google search page. The immediacy, democracy and vibrancy of all these superb tools makes this a brilliant era to be a working adventurer. Social media allows us to tell stories better than ever before, more efficiently and to a global audience. It's a tantalising opportunity. By contrast, the year-long silent slog to write a book that might never get published or attract only half as many readers as an Instagram post seems completely crazy and antiquated. Social media helps you grow an audience as well as to build a reputation and a portfolio. These are good starting points for earning money to pay for future adventures. With all the tools available now, any young adventurer is so far ahead of where I was when I used to idle away long and empty miles with ludicrous fantasies of somehow becoming an author one day. Yet now that I am a working adventurer, I feel I've got into bed with the social media devil and have to keep telling my stories. It's my job. It's also, I suspect, a habit. There are heartwarming occasions when someone tells me that their own adventures began because of my social media posts. Hopefully then in turn their shared experiences will inspire others to hit the road too. But I also know that this comes at the cost of changing the experience itself. The experience which is supposed to be the point of the whole thing. Walking across the empty quarter desert was the first expedition I ever did where the story was more important to me than the journey itself. I revelled in a newfound obsession with camera angles, continuity shots and charging batteries with solar panels. I loved that adventure as much as any of my others. It was a rich and interesting experience. It was not better or worse than adventures where I didn't need to stop and document every experience, but it was very different. Social media storytelling has increased the vicarious enjoyment of adventures. 
and made it a richer experience for the audience. It has become an integral part of the experience of being a working adventurer. It's not necessarily better or worse than the olden days of 10 years ago. It's just different. And you always have the choice to switch your phone off if you don't like it. Quick question. What is the worst food you've eaten? Among my more memorable meals, you can pick from sheep's head, guinea pig, snake, crocodile, bear, fried worms and scorpions, sea urchin, raw squid, horse, strong Lebanese cheese, Japanese natto, a Filipino balu, which is a chicken fetus still inside the egg, Icelandic whale and far too many late night Scottish kebabs. And I was once invited as an honoured guest to kill a pig for a feast by shoving a stick through its heart. The only thing I've been too squeamish to try was boiled mice on a stick in Malawi. I have to say that since moving to being vegan, dietary choices have become much simpler and less revolting. <laughs>